Months, monsters, and metal. I'm surprised you could do that. Well, because of the cold that I'm battling back, it gave me the strength to do ah, it. Ah, I gotcha. A little Robitussin made you feel better. Yeah, check it out. <laughs> Those vitamin C drops kick in, and I'm like, oh. I am decapitated Dan, and I am joined by Dirk Manning, as always. Hi, hi, hi. And, uh, well, things are going to change since this is our January episode, and this is when we do our big countdown. We give everybody December off, except for ourselves. And Doug. Doug didn't get the month off. He'll have a segment here on the show. But um, <laughs> what a loser, I tell you. Falls for it, it is every the thing that he time. Hates this month, having to be on the show with just us. That would be funny if that's what it, it was. We should, you know what we should do next January is bring him on to, like, co-host of the show, like all three of us, because we've never all been on at the same time. We could do that. We could definitely do that. You hear that? Next January, Doug, it's on. <laughs> you got a year. Brace yourself. So we did this last year, and we did our, uh, Dirk and I both did our top 10 metal album countdown of the year. Uh, we're, we're changing format just a little. I'm going to give you my top 10 metal album countdown, and we're both going to give you our uh, comic countdown as well, and we're we're not talking superhero comics. We're talking horror comics, and some. In case you've never heard the show before, <laughs> some war comics might be mixed in because that's me, and and it's my show. So what the fuck do I care, right? <sighs> Suffer. That's what I. You say. know, uh, without rules, there's chaos. That's all I'm saying. That's right. That's right. Now, last year we had this wager of how many albums we would have. Oh, that, that would mix. be the same. That's right. And. The end, it ended up being none, which shocked me at least. Sure. So this year I'm just sticking to the comics. I actually have 13. I'll have three honorable mention and the 10 top uh, t- top 10 horror comics of the year. So we haven't discussed this privately. I'm just dropping this on Dan right now for everyone out there. Mm-hmm. How many of the same comics will we have on our top our top comics list? Two. 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 How many do you think? Ooh, see, two's a, I'm going to say three. Oh, wait, wait. Let me look at my list. <laughs> no, I'm sticking with two. <clears throat> Dirk's dying, just in case everyone... Yeah, yeah. I, well, I, okay. I, I, got, I got a cold on three. Why are you dying? You well, just, as soon as born, just, we're dying to quote You the just finished giant. your big tour. Yes. 24 shows and signings in 18 weeks consecutive weeks 24 shows in 18 consecutive weeks congratulations sir thanks man it was it was wild um it's crazy i kept like humble bragging to myself like i can't wait to tell when i didn't get sick this whole tour which i never got con crud or anything because i always do a lot of vitamin c and stuff like that and, and really try to pace myself through all this um but then that super bugs like everywhere like wiping out everyone in the midwest and i was in the midwest and uh got uh, got it on uh Thursday, last Thursday, um, the three days before my last signing, 
my big end of tour party at Packrat Comics in Hilliard. They made the Dirk Alert Glow in the Dark T-shirts, which you can now get at Packrat's website. I might add. Yeah, there you go. <clears throat> if you want that shirt? You can go to Packrat's website. That's really yeah. Cool. Pa- and Packrat are great people. I have no problem with them making shirts with That's my because face. Because they made too many and they got to get rid of them. <laughs> oh my gosh, man! Like all week, their phone, their phones were like blowing up all week. Yeah, I thought it was gonna be like a you know kind of just like a goofy thing, but people have been real. Real into it, and uh, don't be jealous, Dan. Is I guess what I'm saying. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but touche, um, sir. Touche. Yeah. Uh, but Thursday before the big signing, so it's like the big end of tour. Victor Dandridge showed up, presented me a Cthulhu eight bit Cthulhu belt, nice championship WWE style. You know, um, I had like a hundred plus degree fever on Thursday, and I, and it was weird because like Victor sent me this box. And I opened up the box, and there's like this blanket in it. And I'm like, well, that's really nice. So I like wrapped up in this blanket, and all of a sudden, I was getting like smallpox and stuff. I was going to say, is that where the gloves are? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but, um, so what I literally did was I, I, I knew I was like in a real time crunch. And I did the old uh, non-doctor recommended. I said, okay, I got this, you know, this bug in me. And I said, it's got to cook this bastard out. And I wrapped myself up in a comforter and like you know the bed and just just wrapped myself up super tight with like eight layers of blankets and clothes and uh, woke up a couple hours later totally delirious. Aww. Um, went back to sleep again and uh, had this dream. And this is not an exaggeration, not a joke. I had this dream I was swimming and I woke up and literally lifted my face out of like a puddle of water. It was like someone like. Ugh. popped water balloons all over my bed and, and I was better I mean I was sick but I was functional I could at least knew I, then I could do the signing because before you know you got like a 100 degree fever you're all messed up but but I survived the signing was great everything was great 24 shows 18 weeks now I'm taking about a month off gonna work on the next volume of Tales of Mystery and writing that and writing some other stuff and then uh, end of January beginning of February I'm back on the road again very nice very nice, because next year he's going 52 for 52. The, you know. <laughs> he's thinking about it now. Yeah. Like, no. Actually, I was going to take all of January off, but I'll, I'll bring this up because it's kind of relevant. Um, I will be, I was invited. Uh, my birthday is into January, last weekend in January. Big birthday this year. Not going to say which one. Doesn't matter, but it's a big one. 21. 21. Look out. Shirley Temple's for everybody. <laughs> um, I was invited to Purdue University. Oh, cool. To be at their Comic Con, so very cool. Yeah, but it's my it's my birthday weekend. But that's you know why not, right? Yeah, go hang out with some Boilermakers. Whatever that is, um, that's okay. their mascot. Come on, Dirk. Is that is that one of those sports ball things? Yes, it's one of those sports ball things. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's get back to heavy metal and uh, comics. <laughs> All right, so uh, so we're gonna do our big countdown here in a bit. But before uh, we get started with the our big 10 to one. Uh, I'm going to do my, cause I, okay. So here's the thing. I really, really, really got into checking out new albums when they came out this year and my list, I couldn't come up with 10. I came up with 35. Jeez. So to see the entire list, you can go to decapitateddan.com and, and find it there. But, uh, I'm going to kind of go down 20. I'm not going to do 35 to, to 11. I'm going to do 20 to 11 real quick. Everyone and wonders why I don't have a list. That's why. That's because I covered it for you? Every, everything. All right. Now, tell me. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to do this. these 10, and you got to just say yes or no if they would have been on your list. 
Okay. Okay, so coming in number 20 is Carnifex uh, with their new album, Die Without Hope. No. All right. Number 19 is Reap with Neckbreak Hotel. No. Number 18. <laughs> now, this, let me say, this is not necessarily a judgment against a band. Right. It just wouldn't be my top 10, personally. Right. Well, this is 20 to 11, not 10. Right. Yeah, but I, it wouldn't have been in my yeah. top 10. Yeah, okay. Number 18 is Nothgard with Pandora. No. All right. 17 was Wydeck with uh, the album Outside the Universe. No. 16 was Dog Fashion Disco with Sweet Nothings. I know that you're boys, but no. 15 was In Flames with Siren Charms. Yes. Are you shocked that that didn't make my top 10? No. Okay. That's because we've talked about it enough as to why it wasn't. Yes. Okay. Uh, coming in 14 was Right to the Void with Light of the Fallen Gods. I don't even know them. All right. 13 was Revocation with Deathless. No. 12 was Scar Symmetry with The Singularity. Yes. And 11 was While Heaven Wept with Suspended at Elphelion. Very possible. That was a really good album. Yeah, real possible. And here's the thing with, with them that, that was real funny. I've never heard of them before. And I know no, they've, they, I, I know they've been around forever. They, they've been around that album. You know, in fact, I'll say yes. That, that probably would have been towards the bottom of my 10. But yeah, yeah. I mean, they are. They're a band that really overnight success 10 years in the making type thing. Yeah. <coughs> very different album, too. It's it's, it's a very uh, light, slower album, but it is freaking genius. It's really, really good. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So, you know what, though? Yeah. Oh, no, that's not your top 10. No, that's. Say, we already 11. had three. That's 20 through 11. Yeah. See, Dirk's seen my list, unless he didn't look at it when I sent it to him earlier. I glanced I st- glanced at it real quick, and then I started to actually read over it, and I was like, no, no, no. I want to just be a Save it for the show. Because you don't know my top 10 horror comics. Right, you don't know mine me. either. All right, so let's do this. Uh, you have some honorable mentions, so before we get to our top 10, what are your honorable mentions in comics? In comics? Or do you want to talk about the el- my, my album of the year? No, we're going to do your album of the year last. Oh, okay. With okay. my album of the year. That oh oh man all right so we're gonna save that so what do you got for your honorable mentions comics? my honorable mentions comics uh, I, I had thirteen uh, comics this year that horror comics this year that I thought really 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 raised the bar and 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 obviously I mean my disclaimer uh, on things like this uh, obviously there are um, more than than thirteen great horror comics that came out this year but the ones that really I thought resonated personally with me the most. Um, my first honorable mention goes to the Vertigo CMYK anthology series. Hmm, okay. A lot of really cool... Now, these weren't strictly horror comics, by any stretch of the imagination, which is why I put them at the bottom of my 13. But they had some really cool horror stories in some of them, and just really great color-themed anthologies, big, fat, thick books. I think they are about nine bucks a piece when they came out. Um, really fantastic. And uh, what happened was for each comic, cyan, magenta, yellow, and then, you know, obviously eventually it would be black, um, every story in the book revolves around that theme. Okay. So maybe it's all. So um, very, very cool. You know, anthologies are always a mixed bag, but to me, this really harkened back to the old school Vertigo days when you had Flinch. And uh, yeah. all the other gangland and the fantastic Vertigo anthology that really brought in a lot of new people. These books, I felt, really had some 
absolutely fa- and they had a lot of fantastic established guys fabio moon jock in there uh you know stuff like that as well but just really i think a book that probably flew under a lot of people's radar but i would really recommend it because a lot of times horror people and uh anthology people are kind of the we we kind of cross paths a lot so i would definitely say on this one well worth checking out the cmyk anthology books okay so that would be my number 13. Do you want to know 12? Yeah. Should I keep going? Yeah, okay. Keep going, to, keep going until we get to 10. All right. 12. Um, Dark Gods by Justin Jordan, who was the writer from Avatar. Um, very cool book. Very Lovecraftian. Becomes a very, very... Um, I almost feel like it becomes a very generic title almost at this point, mm-hmm. you know, because anything is monsters and people say, oh, it's Lovecraftian. And th- I wouldn't say that's the case at all, at all with this. The artist, uh, I think it's German era Mosep, maybe something like that. Mm-hmm. Very, very good art. Avatar, I think a lot of times, especially with, with even a lot of the horror crowd gets kind of uh, pooped on because, you know, a lot of times they have the torture covers or the super violent covers, things like that. Um, but they just brought some really great horror stuff, and Dark Gods was an example of that. Only a couple of issues have come out so far, but um, I, I could have probably gone a couple of different ways, you know, whether it be Dark Gods or even arguably God is Dead from Avatar. It was also really close to getting mentioned, but but the, what I've seen in Dark Gods so far, I really, really like it. Um, Justin Jordan's no stranger to horror comics, obviously. I mean, I, I personally consider, consider Luther Strode more or less a horror comic in a lot of ways. Um, and spread. I know a lot of people really jam on that, but but for me, Dark Gods is where it's at. So I really, really enjoyed that. That gets an honorable mention for me as well. Okay. How about number 11? Tales of Mystery, Carmageddon. Not for myself, but for the art team, Seth DeMoose and Anthony Lee and Jim Reddington, who just rocked it. The third issue, this is kind of a, a cheat, not only because I wrote it, but a cheat because the third issue comes out New Year's Eve. Which puts us at three issues in 2014, but uh, oh, nice. Yeah, man, I'm telling you, I, I would hope anyone listens to the show has been checking out Tales of Mystery Carmageddon, issue three drops New Year's Eve, and uh, if you have tears, prepare to shed them now. Is all I'm going to say. It's soul crushing. It's spoiler it's great. Spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. Uh, with a series called Carmageddon, it just gets darker and darker. Um. Issue one, we really spend a lot of time developing the relationship between Mystery and these five orphans, this, these five siblings. He's kind of pseudo-adopted for the, during a road trip during Armageddon. And then in issue two, Cthulhu shows up, the angels show up, and all these everything starts to fall apart. And issue three, um, they go to an old rustic country church to try to hide out and camp and regroup for a night. And what could possibly go wrong there, right? Mm. So there you have. There's my there's my runners up. Nice. Let it be known that I was not so self serving as to put mystery in the top ten because I don't think that's the right way to go about it. But definitely, and for the sake of Seb the Moose and especially Anthony Lee on colors, oh, you'll oh yeah, check it out. Very cool. All right, well let's do this. Let's let's dive into our top tens for the countdown. Yes. Right. So here's how it's going to work. I'm going to say a comic. Dirk's going to say a comic. I'm going to name an album. We're going to play a song. Nice and simple. 
Nice and simple. And keep in mind that my list isn't going to totally be uh, horror comics. They're on the verge of it. I'm not going to be like, Superman! Or, you know, go read the X-Men books. Stuff stuff like that. We're not going to do that. Even though well, no, I, Spider-Man's be... probably on your list. I'm just saying. Which one is? I'm joking. Spider-Man. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. Um, they've been doing that Edge of the Spider-Verse or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. With, um, who's that guy from the Straczynski run that actually was really solid? Uh, Morlin? Killing all the Spider-Men everywhere. So that that could actually... I, I mean, I don't know how deep they are new it or whatever. I just know it's happening. Yeah. That could be something, but... All right. All right. I won't ju- I won't judge you, Dan. <laughs> Horror has a wide swath. All right. Well, coming in at number 10 uh, for me, comic-wise, is a OGN from Humanoids called Bramble. Uh, Bramble is a book that plays on the edge of, um, let's say, steampunk in a way even though I don't think it was, like, the biggest steampunk thing. Uh, it plays on horror, and it plays on um, kind of mythological gods for the most part. So basically what you have without, you know, giving a lot away is the story where the Earth was the, the Earth was originally two gods, one who mm-hmm. was nature and one who was all about making the world better through machines. And from that they spawned minions and people for the most part and that's where people came from you had hippies for them on one side and then you had um silicon valley on the other side and they got into this huge fight the two guys got into this huge fight and the nature one was able to trap the machine one and keep him locked away well as the story goes on you have this detective and uh, a guy has come into one of these mega cities and he is killing people left and right. And you don't know why he's doing it. Well, he gets down to it, and basically you have, you know, the cult that follows the one god trying to free him from his prison versus the, the nature side of it. It's uh, humanoids, so it's an ad- it's uh, not adapted. It's um, translated. translated. Thank you. That was the word I was looking for. It's translated. It's absolutely fantastic, and it is well worth your reading time. Yeah, and Humanoids is one of those overlooked publishers, I think, oh, in regard to, to the genre. So. They translate a lot of really, really good stuff. Absolutely. Good pick. All right, what do you got? What's number 10? Number 10 is, this was a comic that uh, by a creator who originally did a web comic of the same name, and there was a whole bunch of ballyhoo in regards to possible trademark infringement from a major studio... Uh, which led to him eventually doing a Kickstarter collection to kind of take his character in a little bit of a darker uh, direction with an OGN. Uh, the book is Terra Normal by Howie Knoll. And uh, he did a Kickstarter for the first graphic novel, self-published it, about uh, Terra Normal's kind of... The original webcomic version is really kind of funny. Uh, she's a ghost hunter, kind of a... Yeah, kind of, kind of, a, kind of a cheeky ghost hunter. Um, this first graphic novel, just Terranormal Volume 1, um, darker, a lot darker. I think it really reflects kind of some of the struggles he went through with the Terranormal versus the, uh, was it, uh, Paranorman or Terra, I don't it doesn't even matter, but there was some 
potentially uh, slippery trademark issues with someone else doing what he did in a very similar fashion on a grander scale. Um, so this first graphic novel really took me back. It was a little bit darker than a lot of the other stuff he's done. Uh, takes place at uh, St. Catherine of Siena. It's, you know, build the most haunted place on the planet. And these reality star ghost hunters go in there with Terra. And uh, they go in there, you know, there's this abandoned mental hospital to check things out and things like that. And uh, things go very, very haywire. Um, the ghosts are very dangerous. You know, the, the kind of the billing and the Kickstarter was there's no Caspers here, you know. Uh, dark book, fun book, how he writes it and draws it. Uh, absolutely engaging, riveting, and how he's a real-life ghost hunter, too, which I think is really interesting. He's really involved in a lot of the ghost hunting stuff, um, so he really kind of puts this interesting fictional spin on, uh, I guess, what's seen as a very real thing. You know, I mean, your mileage may vary. Anyone's mileage probably would vary on that. Um, Kickstarter then actually version actually came with a lot of really cool stuff with it, but just a really cool story about this just kind of tough as nails female protagonist who literally just goes and, and punches out ghosts for a living. Um, I did talk to him about the book and then um, volume two, which he's going to have coming out next year, and volume two of Terra Normal is going to get back more to the online webcomic version, which is a little bit funnier. Um, I think he kind of had to get the darker book out of its place. And, and honestly, when it came to Terra Normal, with it being such a fun book, like in the webcomic version, it had like Macho Man Randy Savage is in it at one point, and Baby Cthulhu, who's like a little floating disembodied Cthulhu head with a baby bonnet. It's wacky. It's fun. Um, I was concerned about the idea of taking Terra in a, a darker direction, but it worked really well, uh, and it being a really great, uh, graphic novel and hands down uh, my number 10 top of the top 10 horror comics 2014. Nice. Very cool. Howie's a good guy and he's got some great Virgil stories. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool creator. Good stuff. And uh, one of those guys that I'm really hoping in 2015 starts to break out more in, in our scene at least, if not even more so. Alright. Well, let's get to some music. Uh, coming in at number 10. On my albums of the year, I have Surroundings. Have you ever heard of Surroundings, Derek? I have not. Surroundings is a group out of Australia, and their album was A Bane Burden and Change. Um, they list themselves as progressive, melodic, hardcore. I think you can definitely hear that in in the album. Um, this was an album where every song really caught me and said, hey, you got to check this out. I think... That it's got this great atmospheric vibe to it. You you can definitely hear the progressive in in terms of that, and you can definitely hear it in this song. So here off of the album of Bane Burden and Change is Flight QF Seven Seven.
right, it is time for our number nines. Nine. Man, we're almost... nine. You really can't make nine inherently scary. I'm no. sorry, I tried. Well, you could throw the German into it. Nine. Nine. There you go. Now it's terrifying. All right, coming in at number nine on my list is another OGN, and I'm going to say it's the Curse of Ragdoll by Mike Wolfer. Oh. Uh oh. Do we have one that might overlap? You just carry on. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Curse of Ragdoll uh, was originally part of an anthology set uh, early, early days of Avatar, which was called Raw Media, which was, it was, eh, it was a dirty comic. I, that's just easy. It was an adult, dirty comic. Yeah. And uh, Mike had done this story in it that it, it wasn't so much on the dirty side as the horror side, but it had the elements that it needed to, to fit into that book. And... Um, what he did was take it from obscurity because it's almost impossible to find raw media issues. It, yeah. It's it's impossible to find raw media issues, and uh, he brought it back to life. He cleaned it up. He reinked everything. He uh, added new panels. He ran a Kickstarter on it, and it was uh, highly successful. And um, the the book came out. It's just beautiful to look at. His his artwork is amazing. His storytelling is amazing, and. That that's what you got with it. Um, and I, I'm not going to spoil anything. I just think it's a book that um, obviously I'm going to tell you you need to be of a certain age to, to definitely pick it up and check it out. But yes. it's definitely a book that I think um, more people need to get their hands on and, and see because one, it collected something that you'll probably never see in its original form. And two, he brought more to it. And now because of how successful it was, he's going to do more with it. And uh, he just finished up another Kickstarter for his next project, and then I believe he's coming back to it. So definitely something that um, you need to go out and check out. So that is my number nine. Yeah, that's a great pick, too. And and, and Mike's a real cool guy, uh, super nice guy. Again, one of these Kickstarters that, you know, when I did the Kickstarter for Tales Mystery Volume 1, it was like that same thing. It was kind of that same thing about here's an online comic that we want to get into print, and with what Mike doing is taking all that old stuff that you just can't find anywhere going through clean it up put it in a collection and then put it give you a ton of extra cool stuff with it you know to me that's really what crowdfunding is all about it's like let's give you this really cool stuff ton of extra neat stuff and a in a book that otherwise maybe wouldn't get published very easily mm-hmm. in today's comic market uh, i will say that's not in my top 10 okay but I, I definitely think it's a very worthy pick a very good pick by a very cool creator and obviously, it, it's like you said, it's an adult comic. So, um, but but it's good. It's fun and uh, not adult like you'd find it in adult previews or no, you know, not not an X rated. <clears throat> it's an R rated comic. No, it's not X rated, but it's definitely a hard R. Yeah. So good pick. All right, what do you got? What's number nine on yours? Number nine. This is a comic that really really blew me away. Um, a writer that I actually um, really fell in love with pr- uh, his work pretty early in his career, um, as does a lot of case with writers get a lot of buzz, went on to do a lot of more mainstream comic work for a while, um, and then really came back with a vengeance, I think especially with this book, uh, by uh, the writer Rick Mander. The artist is Matteo Scalera, Black Science. Which some may argue is actually more of a science fiction book, but it's about uh, anarchist scientists. And I'll tell you, this book 
legitimately shocked and terrified me more than a lot of other books that build themselves as straight horror. Um, it's about a, a family um, who have a device called the Pillar, and they end up just punching through different dimensions and things like that. So like, there's a dimension inhabited with frog people, and there's a dimension where... Aztecs have kind of the Aztecs kind of took over the United States and are fighting the Germans in like this souped up crazy version of World War II. Um, but there's a lot of horror in this book, a lot of horror. Mateus Galera, the art is just painted and beautiful. This really was a throwback to me to a lot of Remainder's earlier stuff, such as uh, Fear Agent, mm-hmm. which was one of my favorite books when it was coming out back in the day, and uh, <laughs> just a really good dark exciting thrilling book that i think a lot of people anybody who i think really likes good action-packed horror would do really well checking out the first black science trade paperback how to fall forever very cool very cool all right coming in at number nine on my metal album list is ex mortis would they have been on your list or do we have another i don't know who they are (laughs) Pardon me. Oh, he's dying. Yeah, I'm dying. Slowly. Um, I don't think they would have met my top ten. Okay. Uh, their album, Slave to the Sword, came out this year from Prosthetic Records. Um, I saw Ex Mortis when they were on tour. I believe they opened for Legion and Arsis. I think it was that tour. And I had never heard of them before Before I seen them. And they just absolutely blew me away. They, they came out. They... Um, the, their stage presence, everything from, you know, the way they played to to the vocals and everything. It was just absolutely perfect, and I needed to hear more. And I, I absolutely fell in love with this album. And if you see a lot of top ten albums lists or, or big metal lists this year, you're seeing them on there. They're kind of yeah. this year's Battlecross, where they're the not so much the unknown, but they are the unknown that people are starting to really recognize for, Def- for what they're I think doing. definitively up and coming. I checked yeah. them out because you mentioned them a while back, like you said, and... Yeah, uh, they're they're definitely on their way up quickly and well-deserved. So my song choice <clears throat> for the album to, to play here, uh, no lyrics, but it's a little, I think it's Mozart with some, or Beethoven, one of the two, with some Moonlight Sonata, Act 3. Do you know if it's Mozart or Beethoven? I'm not sure. I would have to Google it. Okay. Well, we're not going to do that. We're just going to tell you uh, classical music in metal form. So enjoy, and we will be back with number eight.
are back. Time to do number eight. You know, when I was younger, I used to think that, um, because eight's my favorite number, that I would always find uh, the best track on any CD is number eight. That's a little OCD. A little weird, and I quickly learned that I was incredibly wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Just point that out. What's your favorite number eight track of all time? Oh, God, I have no idea. Okay, so you're not oh good. You're not totally absurd. No, I, I said it ended, it ended very early. But I had a, I was like, well, because you know, tapes you didn't have numbers. Well, know? no, that's fair. I just wanted. I was just making sure you weren't. Yeah, I didn't have to have an intervention after the show. Just like, oh man, that number eight track is going to be great, but it wasn't. <laughs> so anyway, okay. Um, so coming in at number eight on my comic list, I'm going to go with Justin Jordan's "The Spread" or "Spread." It's not "The Spread." It's spread. Yeah, not "The Spread." Just "Spread." It's um. So he, so here's the deal with "Spread." Uh, it's it has a little bit of uh, I don't want to say saga, but it it has this this element of uh, a baby, and the the baby is I don't want to say magical, but the baby's special. There's something special about it, and the baby is in a world that is being taken over by a virus, and the virus that's taken over is so much like John Carpenter's The Thing. Mm-hmm. And it is depicted so goddamn well in this book that I instantly fell in love with issue number one, and then um, fell behind because I, I fell behind big time on reading this year. And I did uh, I think three through four in one shot, or two through four in one shot. And I reminded myself, oh wait, hey, I really do like this book, so I need to read it more. And uh, it it never loses that edge. You you have. You have this thing that is that it, it inhabits people, it inhabits the landscape, it it just inhabits the world for the most part, and it's just insane how great it, it's depicted visually in this book, and and the writing is really good, and it's it, it's a book that definitely took me by surprise, and something that I have to read at this point. So that is my number eight comic. Right on, right on. <clears throat> Yeah, Spread's a solid book. Um, like I said, I, I went with Dark Gods, but no, you're definitely not going to hear me uh, issue any protest in putting the Spread on the list. So what do you got? What is number eight for you? Sir? Also an image book. Okay. And uh, probably by all rights should be a little higher, but it's such a perennial pick for so many people. I think this is just where it ended up landing. Oh my God, was this a great year for the comic book The Walking Dead? Oh, the all-out war storyline, um, you know, which ended up going bi-monthly twice a month, was just absolutely fantastic. Walking Dead is one of those long-game books where it definitely goes in uh, peaks and valleys sometimes in the sense that you may go several issues uh, without – with the basic being a lot of drama. And I mean that in a good way. You know, I mean character development, not zombies everywhere, things like that. But uh, Negan is the uh, easily, I think, the way up, way, way, way up there as the villain of the year in in comics and things like that. Um, you're really getting into in Walking Dead. You're getting into now kind of the the fiefdom era of survival when people are actually developing little towns and things like that. And the All Out War storyline was a very big part of that, as well as what's come after it since then. Uh, the fallout of the war and um, Kirkman did something very interesting, which is did a huge time jump after the All Out War storyline. Um, and a lot of characters are now gone. 
Uh, they're referenced. We don't know exactly what happened to them, where they went. Some pretty dramatic changes in the landscape. And really did a lot to keep Walking Dead fresh. Um, always a very, very solid book in my eyes. Always one of the top of the stack books, you know, when you go to the comic shop that week. And uh, big props to Walking Dead for taking some big chances in 2014. And just continuing to really um, show why that book gets all the, the, the praise it does. So number eight for me, no question, The Walking Dead. No comment. That's fine. <laughs> no, I think the easy way to put The Walking Dead is at this point you've got to be so invested in it because you've read so much of it that it's you can't jump on. Well, I would think uh, – see, and that's the thing. I think either during All Out War or right after All Out War, the book is reset in such a way that anybody could pick it up and start reading it right now. Okay. Really. And, and, and there's some such – there's so – such dramatic changes in the book in a lot of the characters uh, I guess minor spoiler alert um, after the war is done and they did the big time jump um, they actually have civilizations set up now mm-hmm. which is nice because I mean that's one of the things that always bugs me in a lot of these Armageddon books is it's like no one can ever rebuild ever really well, or they don't go long enough for you to get to that point right yeah. right in Walking Dead, you know, the theory of the book in the beginning was it's about what happens after the credits of the zombie movie. Yeah. And now they actually have, I wouldn't go as far as say kingdoms, but fiefdoms at least. Well, they're kind of actually kingdoms set up. And Rick is really seen as kind of a, I wouldn't say a king, but um, he is very much a leader of one of these towns. Um, but like Michonne is gone. One of the most popular characters in the comic. Gone. I'm sure that uh, followers will send in spoons and complain enough to bring her back. Well, we don't. I don't think she's dead. I know. I'm just. I'm but just, I don't, I'm I don't. just being it, a smartass. That's well, all. yeah. The TV show's a whole different thing, or whatever. But, but, um, but she's gone. Um, and we don't know where she is. Some of the characters have referenced that they miss her and that something happened. Um. But it's he really established a nice rejumping on point for the book, um, and it, I, I would I would say it's very well worth checking out the new story arc at least where it's nice to see a book that really instead of falling back onto the oh zombies broke through the wall zombies broke through the wall now it's more about managing a society when there is safety and uh, fascinating book and well worth. You know, I, again, it's only at the top. I think it's very easy for a lot of people to shit on The Walking Dead as comic because it's such a big juggernaut title and the TV show and everything mm-hmm. else. But man, lest we forget, that's a hell of uh, it's a hell of a comic. And uh, the, I think 2014 goes out of its way to yet again show why that book is so good. Cool. All right, we're coming in at number eight on the metal album list. I have Gormathon with Following the Beast from Napalm. Would this have been on your list, or I can't say that one would have been. <laughs> Gormathod uh, is a band from Sweden, and other bands from Sweden you could say are Soilwork, Scar Symmetry, and Mashuga. And uh, Mashuga at the gates as well. At the gates had a new album this year too. But uh, okay, so so Gormathon is uh, they they have that nice. Uh, 
I'm going to say more like Scar Symmetry and Soil Work vibe to them, where they have great, intense metal moments with nice growling vocals, but they also follow it up with some really good melodic parts, and the the album itself is, is fantastic. None of these aren't fantastic from start to finish. I'll probably just say that 10 million times. But um, they, they really stood out because the songs were good enough for me to always want to hear them again and, and always want to come back to. Their music videos are insane because they're, they're such... Vikings for the most part. It ain't Viking metal, let's put it that way. But they're, they're very, very fun videos to to definitely watch. And it, 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 was, it really is. I, I cannot stop really, you know, if I want to put something on, I really think, like, I have to put Gormathon on and, and at least listen to the song that I'm going to play. So here is Gormathon off of Following the Beast with Remedy. <laughs> Dark 
right, it is time for number seven. 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 It's in heaven. <laughs> I don't know. Why All right, coming in at number seven on my comic list, I'm going to go with John Carpenter's Asylum. Oh, all right, all right. I, you know what? This first of all, the 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 first thing you have to take away from this is Leonardo Manco, <sighs> because if there is someone out there other than like Juan Ferreira, who's oh almost, my god, who is doing nothing but eye candy every time he touches a pencil, it's Leonardo Manco. So that's 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 your draw into the book, and then you'll read it and you'll realize how good of a story it is. And I think now nowadays it's written uh, originally, and it was like just the first issue or two was Bruce Jones, but now it's completely uh, Sandy Carpenter King and mm-hmm. um, Trent Olson. And very nice lady, I might add. Oh yeah, and and they just they just constantly deliver on this. It, it's sometimes the issues are like two months between, but uh, typically it's it's monthly. So it's it's definitely something worth checking out, and uh, it's it's funny because they had um, they had solicited their trade paperback collecting the first story arc first, and I was like, cool, you know, I'm I'm gonna pick that up. Well, then I pre-order it, and I go through DCBS, and mm-hmm. I can't back out of the pre-order, you know, because that's how it works. And then yeah. the next freaking month, they solicit the hardcover. So shame, shame on you, because I ain't buying both. <laughs> a wag of the finger. <laughs> but it's usually the other way around. Usually you get the hardcover first and not not the uh, the trade, but that's all right. Well, all yeah, right. I mean, it, it's, it's one of those things. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's number seven on my list. What do you got? Uh, well, seven is one of a... Uh, I guess technically two on my list that are a tie. And it's a tie because both of these comics didn't have many issues that came out in 2014, but I thought the issues they put out were both so good that I legitimately have to reference them. And one of them was actually uh, by the artist you just referenced, uh, Paul Tobin and Juan Ferreira writing Colder, the Bad Seed. Yeah, I thought you were going to say Prometheus, Fire, and Stone. No, 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 no. I mean, no, no, no offense <laughs> to that, but uh, colder the bad seed. Oh my uh, gosh! Agreed. Agreed. Oh my gosh! The original colder series was good. It was good, and the bad seed is one of those books where the sequel is in two issues. I mean, already just absolutely demolishing volume one it's finger licking good finger oh the milk <laughs> the milking i don't want to i don't want mil- to milk the whole finger thing but oh my god and juan Ferreira is easily one of my um favorite working artists in, in horror especially um he's been getting some constantine cover work which is fantastic uh i liked him all the way back in a small gods book for image back in the day mm-hmm. Uh, one of, still one of my Satan. favorite ab- aborted comic series. Kiss Me Satan was just beautiful. Oh, I, he's just such a fantastic artist. Up there with Riley Rossmo is one of those guys that if he's drawing it, I'll, I'll, I'll buy it. Done. Yeah. But the bad seed, colder, the bad seed, even though it's a sequel, I mean, even if that's where you want to start, two issues in. Go to the comic shop, pick up the first two issues of colder, the bad seed. 
Uh, that splits the tie for me for number seven. Probably would be – I would not be surprised if, la- if next year, next January, we're doing our top ten. The full completed series will be way high up on the list. Oh, but uh, two issues out, have to give it a reference. And it's going to split the honor with Afterlife with Archie by Francesco Francavilla. And, uh, or Francavilla, sorry. Francavilla. And uh, doing the art chores on this book. And uh, oh my gosh, we didn't get, we only got a couple issues of Afterlife with Archie this year. But uh, oh my gosh, the. And actually, I guess this can be a three-way because I'm also going to throw into this the first issue of the Sabrina the Teenage Witch series, which it's interesting how they did this because they wrapped up the Escape from Riverdale arc in Afterlife with Archie, and then they did a – issue six was kind of the standalone issue about Sabrina, who we see early in the series. There's an issue – it's like a Sabrina Lovecraft issue. Then they go back to Archie again, Afterlife with Archie, and more with the zombies. But then they also did a whole separate book just about an alternate universe, Sabrina, or an alternate alternate universe. So you kind of got the Afterlife with Archie Sabrina tied up in this great, probably one of the best English horror issues of a comic all year. Well, I didn't was think that- it was. I didn't think it was an alternate universe, Sabrina. I thought it was Sabrina on her own, just being the witch and getting to Riverdale to begin with. I, my understanding is that Sabrina ongoing is in a separate continuity okay. than Afterlife with Archie. Okay. Now, Afterlife with Archie 6, which was the Sabrina slash Lovecraft issue, easily one of the best single issues of a horror comic I read all year. Agreed. Uh, I mean, my love of Cthulhu aside, what a powerful, fantastic issue that these guys did oh my god i mean just just again you know a lot of people try to say oh lovecraft and you know and and say they like lovecraft and and kind of i don't want to say buy in on that but roberto uh i couldn't do his name either skaska i i liked way back in the day he did that dark version of the fantastic four Mm -hmm. and uh Many years ago when he was doing that book, I actually saw those issues, and I'm like, this guy can write. And then he went on to write the Carrie reboot. Um, and doing Afterlife with Archie, he, he's a, a great horror writer. So, for yeah, seven, yeah, Cold of the Bad Seed by Paul Tobin and Juan Ferreira. Afterlife with, Jar- Afterlife with Archie with Frank Avila. And, uh, oh my God, just, like I said, issue six, I mean... Believe all the hype. Go find Afro with Archie 6 just to get the standalone Sabrina Lovecraft crossover issue and uh, go from there. I just want to throw this in before we get to the song, though. Afterlife with Archie lost me with number 7. I'm going to keep... I, I, I'm not, you know, I will read 8. I will read 8. But I'm, I went from having to have it to I don't know anymore because now it's turned into survival. We yeah they it was definitely a little bit of a different issue after the first yes. five being so intense and then you got the Sabrina issue which was the Lovecraft thing which is so intense um yeah they doesn't want to you don't want to make it the Walking Dead but you plug in the Archie characters right, right. but they 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 yeah. they've racked up enough credit with me we'll see where this goes. All right, well, coming in at number seven on the metal album list is Shake Well Before. 
I'm going to assume you've never heard of this band before. That is a safe bet. Okay. Shake Metal before their album was Wolland, and it came out from Redfield Digital. This is a Italian band uh, described as metalcore, hardcore. You'll definitely hear it here in the song. This album was uh, one of those albums that you, you put on and you just want to punch everything. It's nice. It's, do, do you put it on because you want to punch things? Well, or, you know what? If, if, or if because having, it'll make you want to punch yeah, things. Either or. You know what? If you're having a bad day, put this album on and get that aggression out. You don't you don't have to physically punch things. But it it, it that's the type of album. It's like if you saw them in band, they'd probably have a pretty damn good mosh pit type of deal or something gotcha. like that. It's 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 songs are, you know, 3 to 4 minute range the entire time, but they're nice, they're intense and 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 they really get it going. Um so off of that album was uh the song that yeah, it kind of sums it all up. This is the game of death. <laughs> Welcome to the game of Time for number six. And I'm not going to do six. it. Oh, six. Oh, Dirk did it. Okay. You're welcome. We <laughs> You're welcome, everybody. Uh, coming in at number six. Six, six, six. <laughs> coming in at number six. Six, oh my six, God. six. Coming in at number six. Six, six. <laughs> <laughs> On my comic list is the always amazing, never lets you down, 68. Oof. I 
love 68. And, and okay, now I have a special love for 68 because it also mixes war, typically, with the stuff. But we had two series in um, 2014, and one of them was, was war-based, and I've got the wrong list here on, on the iPad, so I'm going to pretend I don't rem- I, I don't remember the name of that series. Why don't I remember the name of that one? The other one's Hardship, because Hardship just finished. No, Homefront. 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 Uh, so, uh, look, you got to read the other one because that, that's war-based and it, it follows up the other ones. But Homefront was a four-issue mini where uh, issues one and two went together and they completed a story and three and four completed a story as well where we came back to the States. Um, well, not just the States. We also went to Canada and dealt with some draft dodgers and, and stuff like that. And uh, this series, just, it really does not does not let you down because it, it's always... I, I think it's the most well-written zombie comic. And I'm going to stress the zombie part there because this is the book that has that Night of the Living Dead feel. It it has that true zombie feel to it. You're not following just survivors. You're also dealing with those <clears throat> those really good horror elements. And, of course, you get an extra plus for me because you throw the war stuff in there. So, Was it, yeah, was it Hollowed Ground? No, that was a one shot. See, okay. Oh, uh, I'll rule, get it up. Rule here. of War. Rule there you of go. War? Thank you. Rule all of right, War. All right. All right. Thank you. You're I'm here for. Yeah, 68 should have probably been in my list. And uh, yeah, great pick. Great. Just to echo what you said. Great. Great. Legitimate. I want to say old school, but because it deals with 68, I always kind of call it an old school book. But great zombie war comic. Just yes. All right. What do you got for your Number upside down nine. Upside down nine. Upside down nine. Upside down nine. Um, unlikely horror comic publisher, Action Lab, Action Lab Comics. Uh, which maybe I shouldn't. Maybe that's not fair to say. Maybe a unlikely horror comic uh, publisher, maybe perhaps in the eyes of the mainstream, put out a book that um, I uh, heard some buzz about picked it up and you know just kind of like trying to support you know an indie book things like that you know we need to help each other out and i thought oh, well i'll check this out but jeremy holt and uh, alex uh, diato i think his last name is and if not i apologize uh the reaction lab put out a great werewolf comic called southern dog oh that's not what i thought you were gonna say uh what did you think i had i thought you were gonna say emily was gone oh well sorry to disappoint you Stay tuned, but <laughs> no, um, that that's comics tribe anyway. But no, um, no Southern Dog. Um, oh, you're right. I do have the wrong publisher. I'm here for you yet again, Dan. Don't worry. Even sick, I guess I'm carrying the show this month. <laughs> but uh, no, it's about a guy, J- uh, Jasper Dixon. He uh, dealing with a lot of um, changes. In his life, he gets infected uh, by a wolf bite and uh, ends up becoming a werewolf. You know, spoiler. And uh, just a really, I don't want to say shockingly well done, because especially if anyone should know how great a unknown, quote unquote, unknown creator can do on a horror book, it would be me. But I didn't think I would like this book as much as I did until I read it and I was blown away by it. Um, Southern Dog is a book uh, that everyone who likes horror, especially if you use like werewolf, classic, 
moving, powerful, teenage angst kind of book, Southern Dog by Action Lab. Uh, fantastic series, well worth picking up. First issue had covers by Riley Rosmo and Mendy Kilgore, who did um, Enormous. Um, great, great horror comic. Very heartfelt. Very well worth picking up Southern Dog. Nice. All right, coming in at number G, but a number? Oh, I got nothing. He doesn't got one. It was number G, but a number. <laughs> coming number in at... G, number G's not a number. <laughs> coming in at number six on the metal list is going to be Fallujah with the Flesh Prevails. Nice! When, when this... Oh, uh, from Unique Leader Records. My apologies. Um, okay, so for some odd reason, and I, I, I guess until this year, I wouldn't have coined these bands the term progressive because when someone says progressive to me, I would think something more like... Um, dream Theater? Yeah, I'd say Dream Theater or people always said that... Um, Oh my god, I can never remember. Depeche Mode is progressive, or stuff like that, right? Hmm. Or uh, Rush. Don't people say Rush is progressive too? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I, I guess I'd never. I still don't technically understand that term, but they're going to list themselves as progressive. So I'm just going to say progressive. Fallujah came out with this album that is like really atmospheric in a way. It mm. there. There's tons of. I'll, I'll say it's keyboard for the most part, or something. There's there's ambiance to it, and and their songs just interweave in it, and it it's just unbelievable to listen to. Like if if there was a modern day trip on something and listen to the Wall or Dark Side, oh, I'd tell you to trip and put on the Flesh Prevails because it's just. I'm not telling you to do drugs, but I'm saying you know if you're gonna do it again. Don't worry about Dark Side this time. Put this album on. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just digging a hole for myself at this point. <laughs> but no, this it, it it's just such a it's it's such a powerful and solid album. It's it's unbelievable. Just from start to finish, you now everything just flows together. And oh, just thinking about it, it's absolutely amazing. No, that's a very a very solid pick. All right, so uh, off of the flesh prevails. I'm gonna play some sapphire, and uh, so in between here, uh, we're gonna do the I hate everything you love segment, and we'll do our spotlights for the month from Century Media Prosthetic and Metal Blade. And Dirk and I will be back after that to do our top fives. Top fives coming.
Alright, it is time to do an I Hate Everything You Love segment with Doug. Hey, Doug, what's going on? How you doing, Dan? I'm doing alright. We made it into 2015. Theoretically. Theoretically, I suppose. That's right, something could happen. And then no one would ever hear this. Right. Well, you said we. I mean, you could... Oh, you're right. Wow. Thanks. I might not. I, I thank you for flipping it that way. I, I was upset for a second there. <laughs> <laughs> oh crap! All right. Uh, Typically, you know what we're doing on this episode is we're doing our big year-end countdown and the, the annual phone it in show. Yeah, you know, countdown metal metal uh, albums and counting down comics and horror movies and crap like that anything anything you want to count down count down no i'd like to count down uh no nothing no all <laughs> no. right no, what was the top one comic of your set your thing well since your shit never came out uh well i don't i don't know if i can say it because they're gonna hear this segment before we get to it on the show Oh. Technically, technically. Well, I don't know. My shit came. My 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 list already came out for the year, so uh, I don't know. Uber. I like Uber. Isn't that a cab company? Uh, it could be. It could be. They also. It's also a comic um, from Avatar Press. Yeah. War comic. I like my war comics. Yeah. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I yeah. Think um. No, oh, you know what? I know what we can talk about. This is exciting news. You watch uh, the Walking Crap Pile, and they announced today that uh, Beth is gonna come back from the dead because people bitch too much. That's hysterical. She had one episode in like five seasons. There was one episode about her. She's basically just. She was a non-character. She was just in the background for five, uh, four, three or four seasons, and then, and they killed her, and everybody cared. Oh, you killed Beth. <laughs> Who cares? She had three lines. She she's basically a non-entity on that show. The only thing I I noticed was, well, you don't watch the show, Dan, but if you're a blonde on that show, you're dead. Oh, it's like being a black guy in a horror movie? Every good-looking blonde on that show has died, including the children. There were like two blonde little girls, and even those two got whacked. So if you're a blonde female, forget it. You're gone. You, you Walking Dead fans, think about it. Every blonde, dead. I, can't, I don't know any of their names. <laughs> but the one blonde who started sleeping with the governor, dead. Her, her sister who was blonde, dead. And the Beth dead. I forget who else. The two little girls dead. You can't win if you're blonde. Not if you're blonde. Not if Not you're blonde. What, if, what, what about guys who are blonde on the show? Uh, yeah, they all died too. Man, see, that's, that's just sad. Someone's got something against blondes. Uh, yeah. Well, unless Daryl... I think he's a dirty blonde. I don't know if he really counts as blonde. I can't. I can't really picture him right now. Swedish hating bastards. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, the producers were like jolted <laughs> by, by 
fond cheerleaders late early. It's like, hey, come on, guys. I mean, you're big time, you're big time TV stars now. You can get blondes. You don't, you don't have to take out your revenge this way. You can just, you know, use them and lose them. I hope she comes back as a cyborg. <laughs> that, would, that, would, that would be great. I would, I, I would watch it then. <laughs> she would come back, she's going to come back as a redhead. <laughs> I figured it out. <laughs> no, to me, to me, that's just stupidity in, in, in all forms. I mean, how can you write or set... They were sending spoons to to the uh, studio or whoever to get her back on. I mean, that's just... A spoon? Like, a, that you eat with? Yeah, like plastic spoons. When they, they would write messages on them or something, and they would send those in. Why? I don't... That's, that's the stupidity of it. How are they going to write she got shot in the head? Am I, am I supposed to send a shiv to Kurt Sutter telling him to bring back Sons of Anarchy just because I'm upset about something? No, the show fucking ended. I deal with it. I move on with my life. That show was awful anyhow. I'm glad it ended. Oh. Oh, you didn't like the Suns. I... I watched about two, maybe, uh, three or four episodes. Yeah. And, oh, well. you know, they were bikers like the vampires from Twilight are vampires. <laughs> Living in Milwaukee... You know where Harley Davidson was found? We have our share of scary bikers around here. And and, and for that matter, our, our share of scary, dangerous biker gangs. You know, like the Outlaws. I think, I don't know if they started here, but are centralized here. And there's some scary, dangerous dudes, and they don't look, the Sons of Anarchy look nothing like these guys. No. no nor do they act like them. I mean, first off, uh, nobody on the Sons of Anarchy, like, I could understand what they were saying. Because they had all their teeth. <laughs> like, no, none of them had faces so pounded up and smashed that you couldn't understand what they were saying. Uh, apparently, didn't seem like any of them smelled like crap. And, uh, you know, the, it's a little, the subtle things. Yeah. <laughs> little, no, I got you. That you get with the real bikers, where, like, you just... Like, there was not anybody on Sons of Anarchy that I would, if I saw them in a bar, I would leave. <laughs> so maybe Ron Perlman because I wouldn't want to have a conversation with him just in general you do not want to talk to Ron Perlman not really no I mean he doesn't seem like a bad guy but he also he kind of has that feeling like he's going to want to talk to you he seems lonely oh my god <laughs> is it because of his role in Enemy at the Gates I never saw that you never saw that one? Oh, that's a good oh one. yeah I did I don't remember him being in it he was the uh, Russian sniper who was going around with uh, Jude Law, and he, he jumps across the opening and gets shot in the head and dies. Uh, Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen it. I don't remember that. Maybe it's because of his role in Beauty and the Beast. I just feel like he's lonely. I don't want to talk a lot. And plus, I'm going to keep confusing him with, um, who's that singer who looks just like him? Singer? Uh, damn it! What's his name? He's one of those obscure guys. He was in Mystery Men. See, no, I've never really seen Mystery Men. Shit! I can't help you on that. It's it's right on the tip of my tongue. It's killing me. A singer. 
Yes. Do you know any? Can you can you say any? Tell me any songs that he's I couldn't sung. tell you one song he sung. He's one of the, like the hipsters love the guy. He's a hipster. Hmm. Shit. Pee Wee Herman, Ben Stiller. No, they're they're not. Pee Wee Herman isn't a singer. <laughs> William H Macy. He only he sings to cover up the fapping sounds he makes in the theaters, maybe. Possibly. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, hold on. I'm gonna see. Am oh, I, now he's it? gonna Google it. Yeah, are my keypads making any noise? Oh yeah, we're, we're keep clicking away. Really? Oh, of course. You can hear that? Yes. I'm sorry. The world, the world knows that you just typed ass. <laughs> yeah. No, like if this was the '80s and I was dialing on a, but <laughs> would be able to tell by the beeps which number it is. <laughs> And then they'd be able to find out, find my phone number. Uh, and if you wanted to look something up, you had to go, hold on, I'm going to put you on hold, and I'm going to go to the library. <laughs> That's right. Hold on. I'm going to get on my bike. <laughs> Come on, Wikipedia. Give me something to work with here. Tom Waits. Oh, Tom Waits. Yeah. I would have never got that. Really? No. I, he looks like Tom Waits. To me, they both have the same. They, they look the same. Hmm. And I would, I, then I would confuse something he did with something Tom Waits did, and he, then he'd be really bummed out. And then I'd <laughs> so when someone says, "Oh, how did you like Hellboy?" You're like, "Well, Tom Waits really pulled it off." Let me tell you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love it. When are you going to put out another record? <laughs> so I can learn a bunch of obscure songs that you do, and then I can like hit on hipster girls. Oh I my know god. Are. <laughs> Perlman did do the first audiobook for the Strange Trilogy. He, that was pretty good. The what? With the who? He did the... He read the first audiobook for the Strange Trilogy. The Strain? The Strain. I don't know what that is. They made it into... Well, it's it's translated... Adapted into a comic book for Dark Horse, and they adapted it to a TV show on FX. Never heard of it. No? Never heard of that one? You guys... Anyhow, my point is... Oh. You go into a bar and there's a real biker in there. You, you just do a 180 and you leave as fast as you can. I, I don't get that vibe with any of the people of Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> too clean. They're too. They're just not frightening looking. Right. Just because you got a vest on doesn't doesn't yeah, sell yeah, for you. You got a little vest and you got your Harley Davidson. I mean, they're bikers like you know, like the orthodontist who goes to Harley and blows all. <laughs> Go home, his wife bitches at him, you know, all that. He takes it because yeah. she gets it in the divorce. <laughs> that. It's those kind of bikers on that show. Oh my god! Well, now that The Walking Dead's on hold, then what do you what are you watching now? Oh, I've been wa- binge watching uh, Band of Brothers. Oh, that's awesome! Awesome stuff. Yeah, because well, it does two things. I, I put it on in the background, and it's loud, so it keeps me awake. And then I also know how much time it takes me to draw something. Like this Krampus drawing, it took me oh, the World War Two and a half. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, like, they, they beat the Germans and then re-got all the way to the Battle of the Bulge before I finished it. Oh, my God, that's hilarious. So, but that's you know just on the TV. In real life, it took him like, you know, four years. So, 
I'm really still better than than them. Better have than. you seen? Have you seen the uh, sequel, The Pacific? No. No. Okay. Is it good? I haven't seen it yet either. I like watching Band of Brothers because then at the at the end or at the beginning they have like the actual old men mm-hmm. talking about the stuff they did, and then that that reminds me that this is all all. all you know, history is written by the winners. So <laughs> all this heroic stuff is the heroes are telling me they did all this. <laughs> Without that, I start really feeling bad about myself. You know, oh, these guys did all that stuff, and then then I get to the end, and it's like, wait a minute, the the only the only person telling me they did all this stuff is this guy. This guy is telling me he did all this stuff. Yeah, and then I jumped on this grenade. You know. <laughs> Whatever you say, old man. And then the, my favorite, there was one where the guys talk about the Battle of the Bulge, you know, when they're all freezing to death or whatever, and he's like, yeah, even to this day, you can ask my wife every time it's a cold night, I'd say, oh, I'm sure I'm glad I'm not in Bastogne. <laughs> Which then amuses me, too, because now I know it's at least not in annoyed by this guy because I'm sure his wife is like sick of hearing about it. Yeah, she's only heard it for the past 40 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This happened in 1945. You're 90 years old now and she's still hearing about it. Yeah, just ask my wife. She'll tell you, yeah, you're damn right. Every time it drops a little 30, I gotta hear about fucking Bastogne again. What a hero he was. You and your, your idiot drunk brother you, you enlisted after... Pearl Harbor Day. I'm surprised you both didn't shoot each other in the ass. <laughs> Two morons. So that you know. So there's that. That's what I've been watching. Band of Brothers. Nice. And then, then I, you know, I, I go from feeling bad to being annoyed at old people. <laughs> and then, and then back to drawing. <laughs> and then back to drawing. Well, it's on in the background, so it's while I'm drawing. <laughs> Yeah, I'll look over when the old man around, and I'll realize this is now this is now the guy in front of me at line who who can't figure out the touchpad and is holding everything up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. You, you shot a bunch of Nazis sixty years ago. That's super. Can you stop trying to write a check in the <laughs> in the fucking self serve lane? <laughs> yeah, the guy's like trying to stick the check in the slot for the cat. What are you doing, old man? Get the fuck out of the way. <laughs> Yeah, no wonder you survived World War II. You're probably tying your shoes the entire time while everybody else was getting mowed down by German 88s. Oh, Christ. Trying to figure out how to get his backpack on while everyone else is getting <laughs> shot up. How do you get to latch on the thing? Ah! <laughs> yeah, this, is, this is what we get when we get you on Skype. We, we get animation. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, the, guy, the guy's jacking around with his canteen the entire war. The entire war, you know. Well, all right. Since it's it's 2015, what do you what do you got coming up uh, this year? What are your plans for for the year? I don't know, Dan. Okay. Nice <laughs> and simple answer. I don't know. You're gonna put a book out, aren't you? I'm gonna put a book out. I'm gonna draw a bunch of stuff. I don't know. It's the end of the year, and I'm exhausted. And the, and the thought of doing this another year. I don't want to think about that. I don't want to think about the next 
365 days of doing this. <laughs> I just don't. Oh. Uh, you got any resolutions this, this year? No. No? I have to give up all resolutions now. Just like I have to give up spending money. Why? Because the baby's on the way. What does that have to do with resolutions? I don't. I. I don't have time for nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't have time to be a baby. So now I got a kid coming. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I've never, never been one of those people. I think if you're gonna do it, you're gonna do it all year. <laughs> What's the point of starting the year off like that? I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm not gonna do this year? I'm probably not going to murder somebody. I think I'll be good with that. Uh, I think I can hold that up all year. You're on your own there. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't do the resolution thing. Although I, you know, if other people do, that's great. I, you know, it helps to I guess to have a, a line in the sand. You know. Right, okay, right. this is it. Once I, get, you know, you need to stick that flag in the ground somewhere. I think. Well, that's. I guess, yeah, there's nothing wrong with having that. I think I think this year I'm gonna take less care of myself. Oh yeah. Yeah. What are you gonna What are you gonna do? To take less care of yourself? I don't know. I already eat like crap, so I I gotta think. Of, it seems like I'm gonna live forever, Dan. Like everybody, my I'm getting older, and everybody my age is like falling apart at the seams, and every conversation they have is about what's broken on them now and how their joints ache and this and that. And I'm just like, what? Whatever. <laughs> I got I, gummy I, candy holding yeah. my ass together. <laughs> exactly. I, you know, I eat McDonald's and gummy. I probably eat three pounds of candy a, a week. And that's not an exaggeration. That's probably an un, un, underestimation. So, you know, I'm just like, I don't know what. There's been no real physical change, you know, in my physique or health since high school. So it's like two, two decades, two decades or something like that. Everybody else is falling apart. And I'm just like, what? There doesn't seem to be any light at the end of the tunnel. Like everybody else my age, I'm looking at them like, yeah, they're gonna be dead soon. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that guy's gonna. <laughs> Doug makes it sound like he's stroke. so That guy's itching for a heart attack. <laughs> Well, something, you know. Everybody else is coming unglued. So if they start, you know, dropping dead at seventy, right? And I'm still twenty years behind them. That means I'm going to be ninety before I can start looking forward to anything taking me out. I don't want to be around that long. Oh man, you're going to be even more miserable then. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. What? Like you just asked me what I'm doing this year. I don't know. I'm out of ideas. Now I'm, I just, I'm just praying I don't make it to 90. Yeah, now, now i got to think about another, what, 50, 60 years or whatever the hell? What are you going to do for the next four decades? I don't fucking know. Hopefully not live. Oh, that's a great ending right there. <laughs> Happy New Year. Happy New Year. All right, I'm going to end it there. Uh, where can we find John Line, Doug? ArsenicLullaby.com. And I think... You've been getting social media, have we? Yeah. Well, because Facebook, I think, is starting to, you know, float to the top of the bowl. Mm-hmm. You know, it's starting to swim sideways and having trouble to stay not on the surface of the tank. 
to use a goldfish analogy. <laughs> <laughs> That's my reference this week for you. Goldfish. But no, you're you're putting a lot more on the on the site. There's there's a lot more going up, so everyone go there and, and check it out. And uh, we'll talk to you next month as we count down the big nine zero for you. <laughs> yeah, counting down. The, the, getting a nine. I think my grandpa lived to like ninety eight or something. Uh, I'm like, oh god, I hope not that. Oh. And he wasn't broken down either, really. He was still walking around. So I, I don't even have to look forward to like just sitting in a nursing home with a tube up my nose or anything. How horrible. I still have to, like, you know. <laughs> he was still, like, moving around. So I still have to keep myself occupied somehow that long. Oh, my God. What? Talking to you? No, I won't be around then. I'll be, I'll be long gone. Great. <laughs> You can tell you can you, sooner or later you'll be able to tell everybody the stories about World War Three. You'll be all right. Yeah, <laughs> it was so cool. Well, I took them all out with one grenade. It was. <laughs> I wasn't a hero, but I served with a bunch of heroes. Well, how magnanimous of you, old man! <laughs> put the spotlight on someone else while well, you're on a TV show about yourself. Get that Colin Hanks over here. He's going to film this. Yeah. <laughs> That's the worst thing about Banner Brothers, when Colin Hanks makes his debut. Which one is he? Uh, they're... Colin Hanks. Tom Hanks' kid. Yeah. Yeah, they're in... I think they're in Germany or France. It's the one where there's there's, there's a river and, and, a, and they're trying to get a boat across. And the new the new CEO comes in and he's really yeah. really oh, young. Hanks his kid. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. Oh, he was on Mad Men. He was a priest. Yeah, he was a priest on Mad Men, and I kept like waiting uncomfortably for him, you know, to be written into some sort of a sexual, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it's Mad Men and it's all about sex and despicable people. Now there's a priest, and I'm like, oh come on, are we doing this? Really? I don't, no, yeah, we don't see this coming a mile away. That he shows on Netflix. Priest, he's going to do something. It's all right. I like it, but, you know. All right, I'll give, I'm not going to give it a try now. You, you talked <laughs> me right out of it. Thanks, Doug. No, it's, you know. <laughs> all right, find, find Doug at arsenicglobalize.com. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next month. Our Century Media Spotlight this month comes to us from The Crown with their new album, Death Is Not Dead, coming out on January 13th. This is Speed Kills. Yeah. 
prosthetic record spotlight this month comes to us from Psychroptic. Off of their upcoming album, Echoes to Come, this is Echoes to Come.
Our Metal Blade Spotlight this month comes to us from Visigoth with the upcoming album The Revenant King. This is Dungeon Master. Yeah, they're 
are back, and we are ready to do the final five. It's the final countdown! That's all you get. <laughs> I gotta preserve my voice. I've been coughing and hacking this whole time. So. Alright, coming in at number five out of my comment. Uh, how about, wait, 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 whoa, wait. Whoa, 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 whoa. How about now for the final five, I go first. Well, because I do the comic and the song. You're you're the in between for my comic and song. Oh, so I'm the meat in the sandwich. Yeah, buddy. Ooh, I like that. Go on. All right. Well, here's <laughs> here's your next slice of wheat bread. We got coming in at number five on my comic list is Dead World Restoration. Yeah. And Dirk's probably like, whoa, wait, slow down. Number five, Dan. And I could be like, yeah. Number five. No, okay. I, hey, it's in the top five. That's perfectly acceptable. All right, so uh, Dead World came back, and we had the restoration chapter. And the the thing about this series is that um, there's there's a lot of characters, and and they're all over the place. So Gary Reed has to do this job of not only progressing all of them as the story mm-hmm. goes along, but he has to make it work in terms of not just you know saying. And that's what happened here, and now we go here, and this and that, because everything flows together and, and, and it moves forward. And, and that's one of the big selling points on how good of a writer he is, because he's absolutely amazing. I, I can read... Moves all the pieces at once, looks like a chess... I can he, read I anything that Gary, that Gary writes. I, I love Gary's writing, especially his history stuff, but um, St. Mm-hmm. Germain stuff is fantastic but anyway that's beside the point sammy mackinan's back on the art and it's it's still it's just it's i love dead world dead world will always be up there for me and this book just continues on what needed to be continued on and and i just love it and can't wait for more so that's my number five great great ensemble ensemble cast writing great big 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 up in the sky view of the whole shebang and yeah fantastic comic fantastic pick all right, so here comes the meat. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> um, another book that really took me by honestly took me by surprise, but I guess I was really pleasantly surprised at how much I did end up enjoying this. Uh, Comics Tribe, comics with an X Tribe, uh, more of a, an up and coming publisher. They do a lot of stuff on Kickstarter initially. They've done some books like Oxymoron, uh, The Red Ten, uh, Scam. Uh, and then they ventured into uh, really kind of a hardcore, creepy horror comic. Hardcore is probably not the right term at all to use, but a very creepy, great horror comic that Dan accidentally spoiled a moment ago. Um, that and, happened uh, like a half hour ago. Well, and to then, us, to us, it was yeah. yeah, to me, it was sooner. But um, and then Emily was gone. What a cool, creepy, different horror comic series written by John Lees with art by Ian Laurie. Um, I, I just don't know how much I can say about this book without giving it away. Uh, a very ethnic wicker man style feel okay. about a guy named uh, Greg who was a detective or was a detective. He ends up almost going crazy because he would see monsters and things like that. And he goes on this case to find this missing girl named Emily. Um, go, you know, kind of like this really indie kind of almost underground com X with an X art style on it. Creepy, creepy book. Great up and coming publisher just in general. Uh, 
and I'm, and then Emily was gone is one of those books that I don't think is ever going to sell. I don't think it's going to be one of those books that maybe sells as much as it should up front. But I think as word gets out about this book and as the trade paperback comes out, I'm really hoping this is one of the books that helps put Comic Tribe uh, on the map is just a bunch of great independent creators doing fantastic books, different types of books. Uh, and yeah, I mean, and then Emily was gone is to modern horror comics, what the Wicker Man is to classic horror. Awesome. All right, so for your other piece of wheat bread here, we have my uh, number five, <laughs> my number five metal album, and uh, this is going to start the reign of the independence here for uh, independent music. And at number five, I have Bloodshot Dawn with demons. Do we you at least know who Bloodshot Dawn is? You've talked about them before. Okay, so Bloodshot Dawn, I believe, funded this album through Kickstarter, and uh, the. And it's it's melodic death metal, uh, more I'd say on the death metal side than the melodic part for the most part. But it's 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 a fantastic album. I think from once again I'll say from start to finish. I really got to stop saying that. So just assume, and then Dirk can yell at me every time I do it, or you can play a drinking game. Maybe I don't really know. Um, Some uh, leftover eggnog. Perhaps? There you go. If you if you like that, I've never had eggnog. Me neither. So anyway, uh, the album is is great. They've had albums out before, and uh, I had a chance after hearing this to go check those out, and it it just really stands out. It, it's it's fantastic. And uh, off of this album, we're gonna play the song "Unified," which I think we may have played here on the show before. I let's find out. I think so. Anyway, this is uh, Bloodshot Dawn off of the album "Demons." This is.
right, it is time to do number four. We are so close to that top three. I can smell we are, it. We're within striking distance. We have butt heads on comics zero times. All right, do you think it's going to be here on number four? I, I think this is – I. Bring the bread. I think this is where we're going to finally butt heads. What do you say butt heads? Do you mean we're going to agree on the same one? Yeah, I think, think I'm sorry. But, but heads, I guess. It? No, you're right. Butting heads is a bad way of saying it. I okay. think this is where we're going to overlap. Are you ready? Yep. Number four on my list is Caliban from Avatar Press. Ooh! No. No? Uh, that's a great comic. All right. Caliban uh, is this fantastic sci-fi story from Garth Ennis. It's a seven-issue miniseries. It's still mini because it didn't hit eight. Uh, So it's a seven-issue miniseries and it is perfect if you are a fan of scary-ass sci-fi space stuff. Now here's why space stuff creeps me out personally. It's it's probably one of the only genres of, of horror that really gets me. It's because space is empty. And even if you save yourself, you're not saved from anything because you're still floating through it right so look at look at um alien right ripley saves herself but what does she end up doing she ends up floating for god knows how long until she's rescued right for many many sequels that go downhill after the first sequel exactly so so you you have that and then you take and mix into that a movie like event horizon Which yes, I freaking love Event Horizon. I saw Event Horizon in the theater. Ooh, did you? you I think that would have been a lot. I I love that movie, but I think would have been even better in the theater. It was uh, a really intense experience. That was my hipster horror cred moment. What's the uh? What's the other one? There's a third one that was really good. Is it Pandorum? Mm, Maybe. There was always a third, and it's been so long since I've I've really talked about this series to pointed out but i think it was pandorum anyway it, it started the the kid who played angel in the third x-men movie if that helps but anyway okay so my, my point is the, these are movies that um you know what else they do in these movies they make the spaceships as dark and creepy as possible right you think firefly that ship's bright and everybody's mm-hmm. happy on it oh we just gotta go do this on this planet that, that ship's happy think star trek it's happy star wars it's happy you get a freaking sci-fi movie everything's leaking somewhere and, you know there's things dripping there's freaking flashing lights meh, meh. sirens always going off and and that's what this this book had to it, and and, and, and and he sets it up, and it sets it up right out of the bat, where he just says something along the lines like, you know what, even if even if something happened out here, no one's coming to rescue you because they don't care. You were sent out here for a reason, right? But he also sets it up where. They've explored so much space, they've never found anything other than themselves. With all the planets that are out there, they've never found anything. And then, all of a sudden, they're they're going through hype. This is still the first issue, and that's as far as I'm going to go. They're still going, they're, they're, they're shooting through hyperspace, where technically they shouldn't merge with anything, and all of a sudden they've merged with another alien spacecraft. Which, Again, we've already established that they've been searching through space and they've been to millions and millions of planets and they never found anything. And now they have gone through hyperspace and merged with another ship and it just goes 
downhill from there, and it just gets intense. It is so perfect. It is the perfect sci-fi horror comic. There, and and I loves me some Garth Evans, so. So that's my number four. What's your number four? I have been so dangerously close to calling an audible on this one. <laughs> so dangerously close. And, um... There's only one book it could be if you think we were going to overlap. You know... Wow. I'm do I, I am literally calling an on... Uh-oh. On the spot. I keep looking at my list and I'm looking at the books that didn't make it and things like that. And as I'm getting ready to go on record right now, I, I just cannot in good conscience not put this book at number four. I'm calling an audible. All right. Great supernatural horror noir. Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips on Fatale. That would have never made my list. Really? No, I do not read that. Really? Really. I do you read, not have, read that. Have you read it at all? Uh, I read the first two issues. I'm not a, a noir fan. Oh, it is so good. Um, it's a book that gets better and better as it goes on. I love, you know, film noir. Obviously, when there's read tales of mystery, I mean that's a very much film noir type thing. And and this is kind of a horror, supernatural, Cthulhu, Lovecraft noir. Um, it started fine, and then just starts to get be- it gets better and better as it goes on. It, it, and it just. Uh, yeah, it starts in the 50s, it goes to the 70s, and then they end up bouncing back into like World War II in the 30s, and then it goes to the 90s, uh, and then it starts bouncing around. Um, oh my gosh. I, I, yeah, I just have to give credit where credit is due. The ending of this series was so strong, so powerful, so, oh my god. Um, and Fatale, I think, is only four trades, if I'm not mistaken, even. So it's not even a huge commitment to get into um, in regards to how many trade paperbacks are, things like that. Yeah, because it only went 24 issues total. Okay. A nice, concise, Lovecraftian noir about a woman named Joe who uh, anybody who meets her uh, falls wildly in love with her to the point they'll do anything for her. Or per, or do anything to have her, Ooh. whether she wants them to or not. Great book. It 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 it's causing it's it's wreaking havoc on what was I fi- almost decided my list for my top my top four my top three, but just like I guess just like the main character in Fatale uh, wreaks havoc on the lives of all those around her. This book has stormed its way into my top four. Is just laying waste to the rest of my list. And I'll, I'll, I, I would recommend anyone likes horror, uh, especially noir horror, Fatale's the way to go, hands down. Great book. Uh, I, I feel awful that I left it off the I almost left it off the list uh, altogether, but I, I just can't. I, it was so good. Uh, barging in and sweeping away number four, Fatale by Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips from Image Comics. Does that mean that you're removing a book from the list? We'll talk about the wreckage that Patel left behind. Okay. 
I don't know what I'm going to do, so let's just uh, get your song. All right. Uh, so coming in at number four for my album of the year, remember I said we were going to hit a big independent stretch here? And yeah. And this one is Son of Aurelius with Under a Western Sun. Would have been in my top ten. Would it really? Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. So Son of Aurelius uh, had an album out a couple of years ago that sounded nothing like this. And they revamped their sound. Uh, again, we're going to say this one is progressive tech death. But I'm going to go heavier on the progressive side with this one. Um, anyway, so so the album has some absolutely, and this, this is where the tech part comes in, absolutely masterful guitar work. Just unbelievable. They, they are fantastic. Yeah. Just absolutely fantastic. But what really got me on this, and I... And, like when I first started listening to it, uh, the voice, his voice was like, "Oh, I don't know." But then I just listened to it, and mm-hmm. oh man, it's it's not what you would expect to. Uh, me, let me say, me personally, it's not what I would expect myself to want to come back and, and hear. But I had to hear it, and now the song that I'm gonna play off of it. Whenever I go to the gym and I get on the treadmill, I listen to this song every time. Every time. This is a song that has been in constant rotation since since I heard this album. So here at number four is Son of Aurelius off of the album Under a Western Sun. I know we've played this here on the show before. This is mm-hmm. The Stoic Speaks.
This is it. We are in the top three. The top three. All right. Coming in at number three on my comic list is the only book I think that we would overlap on. Okay. This may have been the book that I was going to have as number four. Ooh. All right. Number three is Rachel Rising. What a great series. Rachel Rising is in it. Okay. Now, here's my top three here are. Uh, and especially what I, I, while we were doing this, I switched. I had to switch. Rachel Rising was my number two, but I was like, no, that book has to be my number one just because we're just talking about 2014. We're not just talking overall. We're, we're talking 2014. Right. So right. if there is one horror comic that I will tell anyone they have to read, it's Rachel Rising. I think Terry Moore is a genius. I mm-hmm. think and, – and, and I'm talking genius just in terms of writing. His – he has the perfect ability no matter what issue it is to start off strong build up the hill the entire time and then crash into a ending that has you hooked to come back again every issue has that every issue he progresses so well the story is such a mystery it's i'm I'm not going to say since we've ended the first storyline that it's it, it's as horror as it was because now we're exploring things and we're learning more about the cast and it's stuff right. like that. But it is it is the perfect solid book and it's two years in a row. It's been since it's been out. It's it's always been in you know is is one of my best ongoings. But two years in a row, it's my my best horror ongoing. And it's it's never let me down, and I don't think it's ever going to let me down. I think Terry Moore just absolutely delivers 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 so that is my number three what is yours sir that is a <clears throat> i want to echo what you said it's a great pick um it's definitely less overt horror than it was i think when it started but rachel rising is an absolutely fantastic book great pick um i got a tie for number three uh two image books both of which um w- um one ended in 2014 and one I guess, uh, well, the, the second trade will be out this month. Um, longtime friend of the show, Riley Rosmo, did a great book last year uh, that, that ended, you know, recently, Drumheller. And it was written with Alex Link, who he did the Rebel, Rebel, Rebel Blood. Blood. I was going to say the Rebel Wild Children, but he did Rebel Blood with uh, Alex Link. And it's kind of like a hippie version of Hellblazer. Yeah. Yep. You know, just a fun book, not horror in the sense that it's scary, but horror in the sense it's supernatural, it's trippy, it's a weird, fun book. Uh, a lot of fun, though. Very, very compelling. Um, actually, I'm gonna, I am going to go the trifecta on this, and I'm going to toss in, because I only had two issues, I'm going to kind of pin the tail on the donkey on this one, and also put in there, not strictly a horror book in the, in the most uh, obvious sense of the word, but Riley's new book now he's doing Rasputin. Two issues came out. Horror in a different way, but really, you know, I mean, I guess number three would be like Riley Rosmo, you know, with Drumheller, the kind of the hippie Hellblazer book, uh, little purple flying cat floating around, Ghost of Triceratops, there's all kinds of weird stuff going on. And then his Rasputin book, which is really cool, ties for number three with a book that I'm just blown away by uh image skybound does this written by chris dingus art by matthew roberts 
amazing coloring work by someone I've worked with before who I have a lot of respect for, Owen Gianni. Manifest Destiny. Have you read this? No. <clears throat> I've oh. seen it, but I didn't think it was it was horror in any way. Oh yeah. It's um it's about Lewis and Clark and uh how they go out to explore the you know, the Americas and uh they you know they 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 pick up Sacagawea and things like that and basically it's kind of like fringe or x-files ish about all these monsters and all these horrible things these monsters that are actually lurking in the american frontier and that's what they've been sent out to find huh uh the second trade will be out when this podcast right around the time this podcast goes up comes out in january um yeah one of those books that i think is just flying under a lot of horror people's radar absolutely great the first story arc um involves giant kind of buffalo minotaur monsters and plant people zombies and sacagaweas in there and beautiful art very 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 well written um again i think this is a book that's flying as you said a lot of people don't i think associate this with being a horror comic but it's very much a horror comic, very much just a, a monster adventure book, um, very compelling characters. Lewis and Clark are just written incredibly well. Uh, so much potential here to do so much cool stuff. Uh, can't recommend Manifest Destiny enough as my number three pick with the combined image works of Riley Rosmo, Drumheller, and Rasputin for number three. All right, well, coming in at number three on my metal album list is more independent music. <sighs> okay, that was it. That was, Shocker! That was the dramatic part. That oh, Okay, so... I'm uh, sorry. Wait, say that again. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm not going to say it again. What? Anyway, uh, so if you've listened to the past two episodes of Monsters of Metal, which... Which, sh- why wouldn't you have? Exactly. There's no reason, seeing how this is episode 27, that you haven't heard any of them yet. Uh, I had on a uh, guest from the band Spectre. And, um... Well, I had both members. So, basically, the cool thing about this band is that there's only two members. And it's not something like Halo, if anyone remembers Halo, who used to be on Relapse Records way back. Mm-hmm. Remember Halo? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, but Spectre... Or H, if you were more into alternative music. Yeah, Local H, uh, and, um, the brother and sister thing duo. The White team. Stripes. There you go, thank you. But they weren't really brother and sister. Oh, well, I don't care. I didn't like them, ever. I know. I anyway, um, so what we have here is, uh, something that just completely blew me away, and I can guarantee that if you didn't listen to the past two episodes, you've never heard it. And I know that because they only have 200 and 40 likes on Facebook. And Maybe. I shame all of you. I shame all... Wow. Here's the best part. You can go go to their Facebook page, Spectres uh, CA, because there's another Spectres out there. And um, there's a link on there to go to their Bandcamp page, or I guess you can go straight to Bandcamp. And they have the Name Your Own Price album. You can get the entire album from Name Your Own Price, and you could be you could be mean, you know, and and not just hit play and check out a track because you can listen to them all without naming your own price and, and you know pay nothing for it, but send some money their way, you know. They put the well, time. You know, in. you'd be cool. Hook them up. Give them a couple bucks if you like it. Yeah, and uh, so when I first heard this, I listened to the, to the entire album all the way through. 
and it completely blew me away. And then I learned that it was only two dudes, and I was like, holy shit. So, I mean, I'm not going to say, like, they'd be the easiest band to see live, because, you know, and they and we talked about that in the interview, so go back um, an episode and listen to that. But, you know, what's... It, it's more of them doing something for fun and, and whatnot and, and bringing it all together. And uh, we have not played this track yet uh, on the show. So here at number three uh, with their album, Ghosts of, Re- Ghosts of Revolution, this is Spectres with Exercise Your Rights.
now you are the light of the world. He was then saying, now you have the commission of defeating darkness. Stop whining about the darkness and turn on the spiritual light. Shine, don't whine. Now you get the swing of it. Feels good to exercise your rights, doesn't it? Whew, bottom two. Top two. Top Why two? Why would I say bottom two? Maybe yours are the bottom two, but mine are the top two. <laughs> Alright, coming in at my number two on the comic list is the only comic that has to be bought next to Rachel Rising. What do you think that is? I know what I think it is. What do, what you, do you think, think it is? That uh, I'm not, not, I'm not talking my, yours. I'm talking ongoing book that I have to buy next to Rachel Rising. Uber. Of course, it's Uber. I love Uber. We're 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 friends. Why? why, <laughs> why we just trying to make sure that I, I knew you or something. So so in the in the past few issues of Uber, um, uh, well, okay, let let's start here. I've talked about Uber a lot, and basically, you have a. Uh, a spin on World War II, where uh, Germany was able to create these super soldiers called called Ubers. And what Kieran Gillen has done here is, so he, he first just introduces you to these um, enhanced humans that are called tanks. And you have three of them on the German side, and then on the ally side, you have them trying to figure out how to do this, because they're going to get completely creamed because of that. And uh, as as the story has progressed, I think now we're in issue twenty, or we're about to hit issue twenty. Um, there are different classifications. There's snipers. There's regular army troops. There's ones that are big enough to to be tanks. Then you have your battle tanks, which are the 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 main ones. Like the the ultimate weapon is what they are. And if he's he has so many different levels, and you have these two sides. You have the Axis and the Allies, and they're they're both trying to create and and you know uh, overdo one, you know, have one overdo the other, and, and 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 really go at it. But what he did in the last two issues was he introduced something that just completely blew my mind and pushed this series even further. To the point where it is the top of the top for me, and he introduced spies. 
So we have the Manhattan Project taking place in America, and what you learn is that one of the scientists wasn't one of the scientists. This uber spy can control what you see as to who they are. And they were there the entire time. They have the secrets. And every every time you think the ally side ha- is going to get an upper hand, you're slapped across the face and told no. And Gillen is just destroying it, this, this series. And I, I will say this. I do think that this series really panders to me because I love World War II comics. And mm. I love that kind of stuff. He's not just writing a story... That's just a solid story. He's really got the research down in terms of the war side of things as well. And it is just off the charts, fantastic. I understand it might not be for everyone. Never, you, can't just, you, you can't just go pick the book up and read an issue and be like, oh, I, I'm going to come back for this because it's, it's meant to be done in a long fashion. You right, know, it's, right. It's he meant, plays the long game in this. Yeah, book. it's not meant to be the short story. It's meant to be the novel. So you know, it's you, you got to start from the beginning and, and and work your way out. And it's absolutely fantastic. The art teams uh, are are up and down as to who's who's working on what, but they never they never seem to miss a beat. Everyone seems to like gel perfectly with what he's doing, and I'm just amazed by it. I love it, and it would be number one, but. Once again, we're not talking of all time here. We're just talking 2014, and there is a book that is higher on my list. So that is my number two. What do you got? Interesting. I thought Uber would be your number one. I'm not going to lie. Okay. <clears throat> so I, I'm I'm shocked to hear that. Oh, no, cool. <laughs> my number two comic. All right, Dan, what is my number two comic? Uh, for some odd reason. I really think your number two comic is going to be Outcast. No. Okay. Hold on. Wait. Let me think again. <laughs> Man, I really thought it was going to be Outcast. Rachel Rising. Nope. All right. I, I give up. I don't know what it's going to be. I think you're going to be surprised. You already and did it... The Walking Dead. You can't surprise me anymore. Let's find out. I know what My your number, number one is. Is that what you're going to surprise me with? What I think your number one is, is now your number two? My number two comic has been my number two comic. <laughs> um, so this is a book that... Uh, I think it's a book that publication-wise is, again, another one of those books that a lot of people that read it love the hell out of this book. Uh, definitely has been hampered in the past by an erratic publication schedule. Uh, and that's The Goon. No. My num- my, you're shocked, aren't you? You thought I was my am. number one. I did. Um, earlier in 2014, uh, they they put out the trade paperback collection, the 13th trade paperback collection for the want uh, for want of whiskey and blood, which I like a lot of the goon stuff in the last I think couple of years was a mix of some really dark stories. They had the return of the zombie priest come back, told a very dark story, uh, dark, dark, dark story. And then they did one about the, uh, uh, the 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 Spanglish, if you can even call it that, Godzilla creature. And then they did like a Jack Davis tribute issue, uh, things like that. And it was fine. Some of it's funny, some of it's dark. 
And then a couple things have happened that have really kind of put the goon back to where it needs to go. One of which being uh, Eric Powell came in and said, you know what, we're going to start doing goon in the Hellboy model, which is a series of miniseries. And uh, that led to what's going to be one big giant eight-issue story. Uh, The first half of it, the first block, came out in 2014 called Occasion of Revenge. And uh, I think they tell this, you know, this Johnny Cash, whiskey-soaked, brutal, depressing, dark, gangster, mafia, like it's just whiskey-soaked story about revenge. (laughs) Um, Eric Powell has written some of the funniest comics I've ever read, and I think he's also written, in my eyes, where some of the most emotionally visceral comics I've ever read. So when he was talking about how dark Occasion of Revenge was, I was like, okay, well, you know, I, I think Chinatown is one of my all-time favorite comics he's ever done. It was the original graphic novel he did for the goon. Um, Occasion for, of Revenge uh, just wrapped up its four issues. And uh, I think the word game changer gets thrown around way too often in comics because uh, in corporate comics, a lot of times people say, oh, this changes the game forever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, okay, fine, whatever. Um, and then six months later, it's all back to normal. The Goon Occasion of Revenge is definitely one of the darkest books I've read all year. Um, I don't know how accessible it would be for a new reader, but for a longtime Goon reader especially... And kind of like, I think, a recharge and reboot of the series. I wouldn't say it's a reboot of the series, but kind of like a a shot in the arm for the series. This book, it's one of those comics that I read it, and as things were happening, and I was like, I must have misread that. They couldn't have just done that. (laughs) And oh, no, that's what happened. And, uh, you know, to use a uh, non-horror comic analogy, anyone that's read Southern Bastards this year, it's kind of like, did I just read that? That that then no I read that wrong no I read that right that that's what happened. Um, the Goon is always one of my favorite books when it comes out. Um, I think the schizophrenic nature of the book, how sometimes it is so dark and scary, and then sometimes it is so wacky and oddball. I mean, the Goon's won best humor publication before, mm-hmm. and then you put out books like Chinatown and the Goon, which are like, just, again just some of the most dark noir things you'll ever read. I think it confuses a lot of people. So going to the series of miniseries approach, I think really helps. Um, part two of this storyline is going to be called Once Upon a Hard Time. It's going to start in 2015. But the other thing that I'm going to tell everyone right now that really excites me is they're going back and they're going to start doing library editions of The Goon. I just read that today. Yep. And that's where it's at, my friends. Uh, the library editions, they did it with Hellboy and they've done it with Fear Agent. Nice, big I mean, say what you will at Dark Horse. I don't think anyone can say too many bad things about Dark Horse to begin with. And on top of that, if you could, I think almost anything you could say could be erased by the library editions alone. These books are fantastic. Big, oversized, library-quality hardcovers. And they're going to finally get a chance to go back, put together some nice chronological editions of The Goon, put it out in a definitive order, um... And uh, I just really hope it gives this book some more of the credit it deserves. Uh, I can't speak about Eric Powell highly enough as a creator. Um, amazing writer. Amazing artist. 
the goon I think is one of the most fascinating characters in comics right now. And after occasion of revenge, I just am almost biting my fingernails to see where this is going to go from here. So my number two pick for 2014, Eric Powell, yet again, showing everyone how it's done, whether it be funny or horrifying with the goon. I'm going to tell you a, a quick story about um, the goon real quick. You ready? Yeah. Okay. So me and my buddy, we went, He we are setting up at a show this year. This was this year. And um, while I'm sitting there watching the table with his mm-hmm. stuff, not my stuff, his stuff. Which he, show is this, may I ask? Uh, no, I will not say. Okay. I will not say. He walks yeah. off and... The show starts and he never comes back and he's he's box diving and he comes back finally a half hour after the show starts and he goes, sit down, you're not going to believe what I found. So he starts showing me some of the stuff that he found. He, he found this Robotech issue that's like the most impossible Robotech issue ever and he pays a buck for it, right? Mm-hmm. And this issue alone, because he's a he's a dealer, he knows what this stuff sells for. He's like, this issue alone, I could get probably fifty to seventy five bucks on. I was like, oh, that's awesome, you know. And, you, yeah. and that idiot sold to you for a buck. But then he goes, that's not what I'm going to show you. And then he keeps rifling through his pile. He I hit it. He hit it on the going. bottom too. He paid one dollar, one dollar mm-hmm. for an Avatar goon number one. Does he still have it? Uh, if he does, he ain't selling it. I can guarantee that. Yeah. I said, you let me touch that. I have never seen one of those. Yep. <laughs> I had so I had a lot of... I, I, I started checking out the goon back when he was doing the self-published stuff. And the Alvadraz. I, I had the Avatar one at one point. Way early on, and I ended up you know having to sell it for whatever reason. Yeah. So. so that's the story. At a show, you never know what someone has hiding in their long boxes. Uh-huh. And it is definitely worth digging because if you come across something like that, you'll never get rid of it. And and you did you, did he let you touch it? Yes, I got to look at it and flip through it and everything. So, all right. So coming in at number two on the metal album list is Black Crown Initiative with the wreckage of stars from E One Music. Did you know this was going to be on the list? I'd forgotten about him until you just mentioned him. Okay. Oh, okay, so the deal with this is uh, a lot of people were really hyping this album up. They were, uh, you know, explaining that, you know, their EP that came out was really good and everyone was really looking forward to this. So I was afraid that this was going to have that, um, you know, the disease of overhyped where, you know, movies do this all the time. People overhype a movie and then you see it and you're like, really, that's what you were talking about? So I, I was afraid that this, that's what this album was going to be, and it definitely wasn't. Uh, right out of the gate, you have uh, the great a great mistake, and from there it just goes on. And it, this is the, the album is kind of weird because you'll have songs like a great mistake, which are very metal and progressive mixed, and then you'll the very next song is like just pure death metal. And mm-hmm. it, and it just and, and it goes like that the entire album and it, it's just fantastic it's flawless. Um, I was gonna say from S to F, but I'm not gonna do that. Oh. No, because people are gonna get tired of drinking their eggnog. That's right. So I'm not gonna do that. Um, and you know what? I'm I'm just gonna do a great mistake for the song because I think that it really encompasses what I I thought of the album. So 
Here at number two is the Black Crown Initiative off of the wreckage of stars with a great
we finally did it. Ugh, we are here. It is time for number one. Yay. Woo! Number one. Woo! And I'm throwing... I'm, now, I don't know if people know this or not. I actually do have my metal album of the year. Okay. So because of this, I think I should get to announce my comic first because now... You can't have two pieces of Dirk Manning meat in your sandwich. All right, we're gonna have fine. to. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to mix it up a little bit. I'm. I'm throwing down the gauntlet. Fine. Let me. Let me just. Let me have this one victory. Guy. All right. All right. So, what is your number one comic this year? My number one comic. This was a comic that I had heard a certain amount of hype about coming into it. I'm like, eh, okay, whatever. I mean, the the writer is a writer that. Uh, a couple of years ago, completely caught me off guard with how um, what an amazing job he did on a superhero comic. Mm. And uh, I do not read much mainstream superhero stuff mm. at all. But I happened to stumble across his uh, work on Batman. And oh my gosh, Death of the Family by Scott Snyder was one of the scariest things I've ever read. So then he had this new comic coming out called Witches. And I thought, well, he's done some horror stuff. He did Severed and things like that. I would have never thought this would have been your number one. Witches, the first issue of Witches, is probably one of the, in my opinion, one of the best single issues of a horror comic I've ever, I've ever read. Hmm. Way up there. Really? I don't know. Did you read Witches? Uh, yeah, but see, my problem with when I read Witches, it came out the same week as Sabrina, and I read them both, and I, I thought Sabrina was... A better issue. I'm not the biggest Scott Snyder fan, though. I, I, Scott Snyder is not a guy I will go out and necessarily buy everything he does. But I'll tell you what, witches, and then same with Jock. Jock's an artist who's very good, done some very cool stuff. Um, but oh my gosh, that first issue of witches just absolutely crushed me, and the second issue of witches was absolutely great. The third issue, the the claustrophobic sense of horror that they create in this book. I will say a lot of people love the coloring. I think sometimes the coloring is a little bit out of control. With I get why they're doing it. I, I understand it. I I even go as far as to say I appreciate it. But I almost would prefer to see a little bit more mainstream coloring and pull back in some of the experimental stuff just a smidge. But it does give it this nice, weird, creepy, psychedelic, uh, disorienting effect. But um, as much as I love the goon, and and mind you, there's a lot of great horror comics that that I didn't even get on the list this year. You mentioned Rachel Rising was one. Mm-hmm. Red Rover Charlie by Garth Ennis. See, I wouldn't have put that as horror. The first issue, yeah, because everything goes to shit in that right. issue. But okay. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I was. I debated that one too. See, and like Letter 44 is another one that arguably is much more of a sci-fi drama type book, but that was in contention. You'll notice that this year, or maybe you did notice, maybe you didn't, the Mignola verse books, BPRD, Hellboy in Hell. I gave up on those. Just very, very cool stuff, um, but there was a lot of cool stuff this year. And then there was Witches, which absolutely just, in three issues, Scott Snyder and Jack are putting on a clinic on how to make a genuinely scary horror book. The witches are terrifying. The uh, backwoods horror creeping into the modern world element 
is fantastic. Uh, the the tension is palpable in every issue. Um, I know Scott Snyder is not typically seen as a horror guy, despite the fact that you know even his new Joker story arc is some very very dark stuff in it. I was seen uh, as a horror guy. His first his first comic work was American Vampire. Right, oh, I, and I, I agree, but I think he's. I think a lot of people see him more as a superhero guy. Yeah, now they not. Yeah, I agree. Batman. Now they see him as Batman. Yeah, but this dude, he's a horror guy, and it. One of my biggest complaints about horror comics, and I talk about this very openly when I do my own stuff, is so many horror comics, quote unquote horror comics. Really, they're a superhero book. But instead of superheroes, they have magicians. And instead of <laughs> monsters. Take that, Constantine. No, I, I'm not. Just, <laughs> just a blanket comment. I'm not pointing that at any particular book. I am. Just in general. A lot of people, it's not horror. It's action fantasy with monsters. Sure. Then you have witches. Which, this book is discomforting. It's scary. Uh, image, you know, has really been putting on a, you know, put on so many great books, things like that. And uh, oh my gosh, uh, three issues of witches are out with image. Inevitably, the first trade paperback will be nine ninety nine. So at this point, if you just want to wait, put it on your list, get the trade. So be it. If you can wait a couple more months, but um, palpable terror, bold art direction, two top tier creators, just creating. In my mind, without a doubt, the number one horror comic of the year, which is, with a Y, for Image Comics. All right. My number one comic of the year is, again, another... Well, I don't, I'm going to say it's an anthology, even though it fits OGN a little bit better. And you happen to be at NYCC next to this gentleman... And it is Monsters and Other Stories by Gustavo Duarte. Oh, of course it is. Darn it. There was nothing, nothing better than this in 2014. Nothing, my opinion. Nothing better than this. And I'm going to blow your mind even more and tell you there's no words in this. Yep. There yep. are absolutely no words. It is the most visually perfect storytelling I've ever seen ever seen it is mind-blowing to me how well this book came across how easy it is to go through it and go wait a minute there weren't any words because i could have sworn there were words by the time you're done with it it is oh it's the most gorgeous thing it is so good so good and i i wish he, he did i didn't keep in mind i live an hour and a half two hours away from where that where his signing thing was, you know, so I'm not close, you know, I don't live in Chicago, but after NYCC, he was doing, uh, where again, yeah, I was hanging out, I was hanging out with him all all weekend. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, trust me, this is a book that I, I will tell you, you have to have, you have to own, you have to at least see it. I don't care because it is, it's honestly, it's, it's just mind blowing. The fact that it comes off so perfect without any words. Mm-hmm. And it almost comes off like a children's book when you first look at it due to its yeah. art style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's it's fun. The entire Very the entire talented. book is uh, only white, black, and uh, blue. There's only three colors. Yep. 
Yep. So it is. It, trust it. It's. It just stood out. There, there was nothing that I, I could think that just stood out like that this year. There is another book that um, I'm going to personally show you, Dirk. But um, there's another book out there that a lot of people probably didn't hear about. I'm not even going to mention it more than that. But I'm going to show it, show it to Dirk because it was submitted for the Ghastly Wars. But, but that's it. So, um, so yeah. All right. Well, you say you have an album of the year. I do have an album of the year. This was a year that was difficult for me to really come up with a good, I think, top ten metal albums. But uh, there was a lot of stuff I liked. And there was one album that came in towards the end of the year and just, in my mind, blew away the competition. Uh, anyone who listens to this show knows that Dan and I have divergent tastes in metal. I, I think I'm much more into the more American metal overall, while Dan's much more, I think it's safe to say, you're in more European metal. Yeah, I think that's safe to say. Yeah, just a little, right? A little bit. bit. And um, I have a rule in my own mind that if I'm talking about a band that's really elevated to like a certain classic, I guess to use a, you know, throwback to your term earlier, Uber status, Mm -hmm. you have to put out three albums in a row that are just really untouchable. You know, you get your bands like Tool. I would argue bands like uh, Marilyn Manson, bands like uh, System of a Down, uh, Metallica, that put out three untouchable, fantastic albums. This band had put out two. Okay, they put out their last two albums, The Blackening and Under the Locust, were fantastic, fantastic metal albums. And I kept thinking to myself, these are the guys that might do what Pantera, I don't think, quite could snatch that brass ring of becoming the next, the heir apparent of Metallica. But okay. I'll tell you what, everybody. Machine Head. Machine Head. Machine Head. Though people that have knew them back when they first started, interesting band. I really kind of liked what they were doing. They really kind of, I think, fell off the wagon for a while, getting some really weird stuff, and I think substance abuse was in there, things like that. But then with The Awakening and Under the Locust and now their new album, Bloodstones and Diamonds, um, just – or Bloodstone and Diamonds, sorry, has been in my rotation nonstop since I got it. Fantastic album. Uh, I'll just play the. I, I'm going to submit for my song off of this album, Bloodstone and Diamonds. The uh, last month I played uh, one of the one of the deeper cuts off the album. I'll just go right with the first one. Now we die. Um, people that are just looking for good, complex, rocking American metal. This is just straight up metal. Uh, Bloodstone and Diamonds by Machine Head. Album of the year by a mile. And uh, this is Now We Die by Machine Head.
Another show almost in the grave. Almost. Ooh, almost. And we are on my number one uh, album of the year. But before we get to that, let's get all of our thank yous in and we'll get all that fun stuff out of the way. Um, so, Dirk, what do you got coming up in January? Rest. Rest. Sweet, <laughs> sweet rest. No, I'm actually going to be spending a lot of time kind of, I don't say hibernating because that's not at all true, but working on the next Volume of Tales mystery. Um, only one appearance in January. I was going to take the whole month off after the big tour ended. But as I said, on January 31st, I'm going to be at Purdue University for their com- for their inaugural Comic-Con. I was invited to be out there as a guest, which is really cool. My birthday weekend as well, so people want to come celebrate my birthday weekend with me. Um, details will be at my website, DirkManning.com. Uh, people can also find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Dirk Manning, all one word. And uh, get the details on that. But that's where you'll find me on January 31st. I'll be out, uh, out at Purdue University, which is Really pretty exciting. Hanging out with the Boilermakers. Whatever those things are. The sports ball thing. Okay, um, and get our thank yous in real quick. Uh, This show would be nothing without uh, all of these people contributing every month, and it's been another great year of all of them. So we thank Century Media Records, Prosthetic Records, Metal Blade Records, uh, Ob from Dark Horse Comics, Dave Elliott from Atomic Press, uh, 
Doug Pascavich, with Arsenic Low by ZM Thomas, with Trepidation Comics, Rondell Scott from the Strange Kids Club, MassiveFantastic.com, The Ghastly Awards, Sites, Comic-Related, Comic Attack, and the Underground Video Network. And don't forget, you can find us on TuneIn Radio and iTunes, as well as everywhere else that you can find us. So there's that. It Wherever is, you find us, there we are. Yeah, make sure to go to monstersofmetal.com. So yeah. All right, so my number one album of the year, I'm sure Dirk has figured this out by now, <laughs> uh, <laughs> is Allegiance Elements of the Infinite. Uh, this band had two very, very solid albums uh, before this. And when this came out, it just blew everything else away. I was so hyped for this album to come out. And it it just it, it got started right off the bat with um, what I want to say is probably the video of the year, which was the 1.618 video where they couldn't decide what genre to be. Oh, so funny! Which so is funny. is so fantastic, and it, it spawned the Crabcore movement that they Crabcore forever that they did. They did it when they were on tour. I got to see them twice through you know twice throughout the year, um, two months back to back actually, which was really cool. Um, interviewed the drummer Brandon Park and then they came out with a, a regular video and recently they just come out with another funny video which they shot once the second tour was over on the beach so if you want to see someone playing the smallest drum set you've ever seen made out of things found on the beach you got to check out their new video um and another reason why they're here is because like I said if I would if I would have said I had a music video of the year. It would have been 1.618. If I would have told you I had a song of the year, it would have been Genocide for Praise. And I, just those elements all come together to prove that this, to me, is, is definitely the album of the year. It's fantastic. It, it's just amazing, and I can't stop listening to it. There's only one thing that's going to stop me from listening to it, and that's probably in January when the new Silosis comes out, which will probably be album of the year for me next year, because I'm really, really looking forward to that. So, um, I'm going to play Genocide for Praise, and I'm going to warn you, it's a 12-minute song. Well, it, the song itself is about nine and a half minutes, and then they do this fantastic acoustic guitar that, it's, it's a good way to lead out um, so if you don't want to hear that, wait till the song's over, and then you can, you know, t- tune out at that point. But I, I, I Why suggest... Why would you? I, well, some people might not. It, it's got, like, a classical acoustic guitar sound to it, and, and that's all that it really is. I want to emphasize you at least stick around for the uh, seven-minute mark when the two guitarists, uh, Michael Stansel and... Um, Craig Burgess get into their two guitar solos. I think that's absolutely fantastic. But once again fantastic album of the year so off of elements of the infinite this is a legion with genocide for praise and as always i thank dirk manning for another wonderful year here on monsters and metal thank you my friend i want to thank you on behalf of everyone listening for continuing to be the good shepherd of all of our discussions (laughs) of horror comics and, and heavy metal so with that, we're going to remind you guys to uh, hopefully you had happy holidays. You have a fantastic start to uh, the new year. And don't forget to keep them horns up. Support good 